This is Morgan Michael, welcoming you to Kindsight 101, the podcast, where you'll hear from world-renowned educational leaders about the mobilizing power of kindness, together by challenging our assumptions and venturing beyond the status quo in education, we can make a big impact, one small act at a time. And when they have value and they feel they have a voice, well, they're going to be more invested in that vision to achieve that vision. In this episode, I interview Jimmy Casas once again. He is an incredible 22-year veteran school leader. He's also a best-selling author, speaker, leadership coach, and state and national award-winning principal. He's an absolute gem of a guest, and I've totally loved speaking with him. He has so many insights, and he's just so lighthearted and approachable in his manner. Just such a great guy all around. And I was so inspired by our conversation. He spoke quite a bit on his new book, Recalibrate, which is such a timely book because it talks about the way that we can build culture within the context of our post-pandemic world. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this one. I hope that you get some wonderful takeaways and I'd love for you to share them with me. Check out my website, morganmichael.com, or just reach out to me by searching my name in Google. Hey, and one more thing, if you're feeling stuck, frustrated, or feeling a little burnt out, or like you just can't quite reach your expansive goals, I want you to check out my new book, From Burnt Out to Fired Up, Reigniting Your Passion for Teaching, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and just about anywhere you get your books. It's actionable, it's research-based, and it will transform your life and practice. Through my five R's framework, you'll learn to reflect, reframe, refocus your goals, reconnect with those around you, and reveal the truest expression of who you are as an educator and as an individual. Just search Morgan Michael from burnt out to fired up. That's Morgan Michael, M-O-R-G-A-N-E, from burnt out to fired up to reserve your very own copy today. You can do the book at your own pace or snag a bunch of copies for a staff room book club. The practices are meant to be shared. And if you're looking for inspiring lessons or daily inspirations for yourself, search Small Act Big Impact in Google for my website and for my Instagram pages. All right. Welcome, Jimmy Cassis, for a second podcast interview on Kindsight 101 with me, Morgan Michael. It is an absolute delight to have you on again. I can't wait to talk about your new book, Recalibrate, and to dig into some of the big concepts around belonging. Well, I appreciate that, Megan. I was just reflecting on something before I got on here, and I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but the last time you and I did the podcast, I was actually in my car sitting in a parking lot doing it. <laughs> I do remember. I do remember. <laughs> so at least I'm not, I'm still not at home. I'm in a hotel room, but at least I'm not in the car. So it, hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll go better this time since I'm not, you know, <laughs> losing connection with you. So. Oh, well, I, I love talking to you then. And I, I think it's going to be pretty interesting talking to you now, especially post pandemic, you have written a lot around culture and specifically, you know, on, on the leadership standpoint, how do we foster that sense of culture in our schools? Why, or what motivated you to write this new book, Recalibrate in the wake of sort of where, where we find ourselves and, and after this, this pandemic that we've recently sort of endured and and survived. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the struggle for me a little bit is, you know, just like everybody else during the pandemic, you know, there was just so many unknowns, right? A lot of anxiety and trepidation. Uh, and even a 
initially it was like, oh, we'll be back in school in a couple of weeks, right? And then it just kept prolonging, prolonging and so forth. And and as a company, I'll be honest, Megan, you know, I was still doing a lot of work in a lot of schools, right? It just depended geographically where those schools were located, whether who was still opening school, who was still doing school, who was closing school and all those types of things. So I was definitely still out in the field working. And, uh, but it was different in the sense that I, I began to sense when I'd go onto campuses, it just felt different, right? You know, we talk about culture, you walk into an organization, you walk onto a campus, into a school building, into a classroom, et cetera. And it's just, there's a feeling about it, right? There's a way it feels. And uh, something certainly felt off a little bit. Mm. And so just like we always do as a company, we began just continuing our work and interviewing people and to see how they were feeling, what they were thinking. And one of the biggest things I kind of sensed a little bit is that for whatever reason, everybody in the organization was just, I felt like they just felt stressed and worried and they seemed to be hesitating. That would be the word I would keep coming back to. They were just hesitating. Um, and when I would sit down to ask them what was it about, they would say to me, well, I'm just not, I'm just not sure what's going to happen. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, there was just all this, it's almost like they're in limbo a little bit, right? Yeah. And so uh, I was trying to think after a while, I, I, I kind of, you know, I would reflect on it. And eventually I said, it's almost like they're traumatized a little bit, right? Like not the trauma that we think of when we think, oh my God, look at that horrific experience these people have had. Not that type of trauma, but it was a different type of trauma that was causing so much anxiety in people that it was causing them to hesitate and eventually to lose confidence. Like, I'm not sure I can do this. Right. And so I started thinking this whole idea about, well, I feel like it's like this systemic trauma. Yeah. And so as I was thinking through that and reflecting on that, then I thought, well, what else, what else can we do then to, to, you know, to, um, to, to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to come, um, to confront that trauma or to address that trauma, I should say, right, to address it. And so I went back to what I always believe in, and that's just started saying, okay, Jimmy, well, let's just go back and try to break it down. Let's look at it systemically and then see what we could do to break it down. Well, then I go back to my core and my foundation. And so that's what I started doing. I just started kind of thinking through it. And then I thought, I think this is it. I think if we can do these things that will alleviate some of their feeling and how they're feeling right now and hopefully help them regain that confidence, remove some of that trepidation, anxiety, and allow them to bring a better version of themselves back to work again. And so that's where I came up with this framework of, of deciding, I think if we use this framework that will help. At the same time, um, what was happening, Morgan, was that people were reaching out to me saying, hey, are you doing any follow-up to Culturize? You know, I just loved your book and would really like to, you know, get some more of the hat or go deeper into that. Or, you know, and of course, along the way, you know how this is. You write a book, you do the best you can, then you you write it and it comes out like, oh my God, I, I should have said this and I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. I, I wish I would have included that. Yes. And, you know, you're always going to start to guess yourself, right? And so, yeah. so there were certainly things I was taking notes on. And so I thought, well, I have all this new content but I also want to include some of the old content, but I want to make it different enough because the old con is, is, is who I am. It's my foundation, right? Culturize right. is always going to be my foundation because everything revolves around those four core principles. So of course the framework would have to include that component, 
So the first component of the framework is living a core set of values. And so that's the first step that I believe when you look at school culture, school leaders, the work that we're doing is people have to understand what is our vision? Mm -hmm. What is our vision? In other words, where do we want to go? Because if we're not even clear in that, right? Remember the clarity, the lack of clarity is going to create that anxiety again. Yes. And people were saying, I'm not sure what they want. What am I going to do? Well, someone has to bring clarity to that, right? It's kind of like sure. the Brene Brown, as clear as kind. Well, I think she means when we're unclear, then, well, then people don't know what to expect. It's hard to, it's hard to be a great employer, a great teacher, a great principal, and you don't even know what you're boss or supervisors or whoever what they expect of you right what done and what so, done looks like or what the expectations yeah, are like, yeah, or how yeah, it's going to run I, yeah correct when we look back we'll know we're successful or we've accomplished something because we've achieved x y or z right right so that's the first step of the framework there was always about what is our vision right and it going to ties it with culturize because i've always said to me Culturize is about bringing a group of people together, sharing a vision, and then using the four most powerful words in leadership. I need your help, mm. right? And then having a process to give everybody a voice, and that's important because that brings value to people. Mm. And when they have value and they feel they have a voice, well, they're going to be more invested in that vision to achieve that vision because mm -hmm. you can't achieve that vision by yourself. So you have to have these group of people help you achieve that vision. However, when we talk about value, it's not only about bringing value to them, but it's also about values of how we're going to behave in order to achieve that vision. Mm -hmm. And so that whole first component of recalibrate is in order to, because of what was happening, I felt like in order to get out of the systemic trauma, it's like we needed a recalibration. We needed to yeah. hit the reset button. We need right. to go back to our foundation, back to our where we began and say, okay, Let's recalibrate and let's go back and be very clear what that vision is. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, how are we going to behave as an organization in order to achieve that vision? Therefore, your values. Right. 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 And so again, to me, those four values, we're going to champion for kids. We're going to champion for the adults. We are going to expect excellence. We're going to carry the banner. We're going to be a merchant of hope. And we're going to mm -hmm. define that so everybody's clear what those values mean and more importantly, we're going to create now, here's an addition to culturize, we are going to create a culture permission where everybody helps everybody behave in the way we just said we were going to behave because all of us are, are literally one, one experience or one interaction away from losing our way and behaving in a way that violates those values. Right. Like and an accountability, like you need that accountability. Yeah, we're not exactly. Yeah, because we're not perfect beings, right? Yes. When we're tired, when we're exhausted, when we're frustrated, when we care so darn much and cannot reach a child and that child does not feel like they belong or that child doesn't want to behave a certain way or do their work, then I might get frustrated with that. I might right. be start to take a label on them, judge them, whatever that happens. And I don't want to be that way, Morgan. So Morgan, I'm going to give you permission if I behave that way to say, hey, that's all right. Remember, we talked about how we we're going to champion for kids. Remember, we don't quit on kids. <laughs> and we just invest more time to understand that story. In other words, why are they not doing the work? Why are they putting their head on their desk? Why are they not behaving? Right. And so those values protect us. And right. so that was the idea behind that, right? I and so that was that. just the first step. And then I went right down and created, in my mind, what were the other things that I thought would help us address that? But to me, it started there. 
And there's so many benefits because if you don't have that that foundation, it's really hard, in my opinion, to move past. But here's the irony, Morgan, is most people when they hear work about, oh, we got to talk about our mission, our vision, our values. Oh my God, I don't want to do this, right? And <laughs> yeah. we and now we just and either and what happens is we just fly through it, or yeah. we don't even we don't even go back and revisit it, right? Right. And so we just make assumptions that people are doing all these things, but they're not. Mm-hmm. We've had so much change in staff, but if we've never gone back, yeah, when you created your vision, your mission, your values, how many of those staff members are no longer even there anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And more importantly, more importantly, you brought all these, well, and you've brought all these new people on, so what have we done to them to bring them up to speed? But here's the key, we can have all the values in the world. We can put all the signs up to talk about kindness matters, and we're all about inclusion, or we're all about belonging, or relationships, or equity, or whatever we could say. But then I walk in the organization, and I look at the behaviors, they don't align. Those behaviors <laughs> don't align with those words. Yeah. And now we lose credibility again, and that's why I say we need to recalibrate to make sure we are living the values that we said we were going to live because we are never going to achieve this vision. And you told me the vision was you wanted kids to feel like they belong. You told me you wanted the kids to feel loved. You told me you wanted kids to come to school at a certain percentage. You wanted to achieve at a certain level. Well, that isn't going to happen mm-hmm. if we're violating our own values. So yes, that's how it's so, going. so true. And I love that. I think, I think on a, on, on a personal level, that's, that's sort of been the work that that I've been doing lately too, but it's been on self leadership and sitting down with educators all over the you know all over the states and and in Canada to talk about values as well. But but on a personal level, I don't know if we can get clear on the big values if we don't ourselves know what motivates us, what's important to us. And I don't know that a lot of people actually dig down and take the time to do that. What um what sort of advice would you tell people? as they start to identify whether it's for the organization or within themselves, you know, getting clear on your values, what resources, what strategies, um, obviously we have different frameworks and different approaches to doing that, but I totally agree. I think if we're not clear on our values and our vision, it's very, very hard to achieve goals, whether it's in our personal lives or it's in that global context of the classroom or, or the school environment. So what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think the first thing we have to look at for all of us is definitely it takes some some time for some self-reflection, right? There's got to be some sense of self-awareness. We all know how we are, right? We can say that. Hey, I know how I can be. I know how I am, right? I know how I was raised. I know what I value. I know what's important to me. I know what my non-negotiables are. All those are all part of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. Again, to me, I always believe that all of that is based on our experiences. Mm -hmm. I believe our past experiences shape who we become and who we are, right? That's why the idea of when we talk about relationships, I feel like we need to define that because everybody defines it differently. And if we don't even have that clarity, well, then everybody thinks they're building relationships, but why is it some have better results than others when it comes to how kids feel in the classroom, right? right? Whether their teacher loves them, cares about them and so forth. So that's where I think it's really important that we recognize that and we define to say, hey, we have to understand their story. In other words, why do they behave the way they behave? Well, it's because it's based on their past experiences, right? And so we begin there. And so when we look at this idea of our own values, I just ask people all the time. So 
what is it you do value, right? What is it you value, right? So when I, if I go into a school to work with a leader, one of the first things I'm going to ask him is, hey, tell me some of the things, tell me what your vision is. That's almost the first question I always ask. Tell me what your vision is, right? What do you, what do you hope the school becomes? What is your, really your vision for this? Why do you do what you do, right? Mm. And then the second question is always, so what are your values? What values do you have that help you believe will help you achieve that vision, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny when I ask that because they, they, they're pretty quick at saying something, but as they go on, they tend to kind of go in circles, uh-huh. right? Right. And, and my takeaway from that is it's because they don't really think that way. It's like, think about like your elevator speech, right? We right. should all have an elevator speech, right? Sure. If I said to Morgan, what is your why? Yeah. You should be able to say, well, this is why. And I, if yeah. you ask me, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what my why is. And, I, okay. and it shouldn't change. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't mean it can evolve. I don't mean that. Sure, it can sure. definitely evolve. But what I mean is if you ask me today and then you ask me tomorrow and you ask me a week from now, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Right. I know what my why is. I, mm. my why is to inspire people to be more and do more than they ever thought possible. Mm. That is definitely my why. That's what I get jacked up to do every day, is to take people who have lost their way, who yeah. no longer have hope or faith or don't believe it can be any better, and I want to jack them up and inspire them, and then hopefully, obviously, give them the tools and the, develop the skill sets and all those things that do the things I know they want to do. That's my right. why, right? So yeah. it's the same thing of what do you value, and so as they begin to think through that, I say, here's why. I want you to think of them like your non-negotiables. What are the things that are non-negotiable for you? Mm-hmm. What are the things that you expect the people in your organization to do? So if you want to think of them like non-negotiables, fine. I just think of them as, uh, to me, they're kind of, um, you know, they're either values or they're agreements. Right. So the okay. agreements to me are how we're agreeing, how we're going to behave. Because it's just weird for me. I don't like norms or, you yeah. know, I don't like anything that's going to be negative like, you know, non-negotiable. It's almost right. seems a little bit like keep it positive. Like I think, yeah. And yeah, I think because you're building just, I something. I know it's just yeah. I know it's yeah. just words, but words matter, right? And yeah, so they do. so anyway, so the idea is if I said to you and you'd say, Jimmy, you know what's really important to me is I believe strongly that I believe in in working together as a team. Right. I, I really believe that. I think it's really important. I say, great. So you're telling me collaboration is one of your values that you believe that people need to work together that you need to okay that's great so if you tell me that now i want you to find that what does that mean when you Mm. tell me collaborate what does that look like and i want you to describe that to me and 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 then i want you to start writing it out like what is so if you say to somebody hey you have to understand something about me i'm all about collaboration well then define what you mean by that right because that has to be clear yes right and then here's the key the reason we create these values and we have to be so clear and know who we are, as you described, is it because in my opinion, I need to make sure that I'm actually doing that. Uh-huh. So if, right. I, if I expect my socials depart, social studies department, if I expect my special ed department, if I expect my seventh grade team, if I expect my third grade team or my paraeducators to work collaboratively, to work in their PLCs, to examine data, to look at interventions, Right. Well, then you better make sure you're doing it first. Yeah, right. And so that's what I see where people don't realize, especially our leaders, Morgan, is that they, they're losing credibility because there's a little bit of a sense of hypocrisy to this. Right. You're asking me to work in a PLC. You're asking me to be collaborative. Yeah. And yet I look at you and your admin team and you guys are clearly in <laughs> division. Right. Right. 
Right. Right. We all know who doesn't like each other. We all, we don't see you guys working nicely together. And so we lose credibility. And that to me is that undercurrent. That's what I talk about, right? Those undercurrents is what's hurting our culture. I think so. And so we have to understand that and see that. So to me, we have to be really clear in that. So it really begins by, hey, this is about me bringing the best version of me to work every day because that's what I can control. Right. right. It isn't my job to fix Morgan. It isn't my job to fix somebody else. My job is to bring the best version of me. So if I'm patient, mm-hmm. if I'm grace, if I'm grateful, if I'm kind, if I don't get defensive, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to get a better result in my interactions with you, even if you are at times can be negative or toxic or <laughs> confrontational. Right. Because what we have to understand is that for me, it's about bringing the best version of me. So here's the last thing I'll say on this point is what I also realize and observe, and that's the best part about coaching, because to me is observing people, right? Because I can yes. see it for myself, is that people were on the perimeter. Right. And what I mean by that Morgan, is, man, when we weren't, when people weren't getting the results they want, we just started blaming anything and everything we could. Oh, it's because of this. It's because of this. It's because of this, Right. Right. And that means we're on the perimeter. And so when we're on the perimeter, I want people to understand this is then that means you can't get any better. You're not growing. You're not you're not maturing. You're not evolving as yes. an educator because you're on the perimeter. And as long as you stay on the perimeter, what you're really saying is, well, I don't need to get any better because it's not me. It's right. you. Right. No, it's actually <laughs> me. It's always yeah. me. Right. It's right. always us. Yes, because it's always about if we bring a better version of ourselves, we'll get a better result. So remember, a poor process is going to be a magnet for a poor result. So if you're on the perimeter, you're going to keep getting bad results because what you don't see is that's not the issue. You're the issue. But no one wants to say, I don't know what to do. No one wants to say, well, I'm the problem. Right. No one wants to say I'm not effective. I'm not very good at that. We just say, well, you didn't do this. And especially for leaders, Morgan, I remind them is all you have to do is what's ironic is they'll see it in other people. They just won't see it in themselves. So watch a principal goes into the classroom. And what do we see teachers do? Principals, you're frustrated with the teacher because you're telling me that teacher is telling you that they can't teach this kid because they don't want to do anything. I said, can you see it? That means they're on the perimeter too. They're blaming the kid for putting their head on their desk, for not doing the work, for coming to class late, for not coming to school at all, for being disrespectful. And they're just on the perimeter. They're just blaming kids. But what they don't see is, uh uh-uh, this is you. Right. Yeah. So principals, it's the same thing. You can't blame the teacher. It's you. So my, my, what I saw was, is that during the time of uh, the entire COVID era, right? As we were in schools working through that, what I saw was teachers were frustrated with building leaders because they weren't clear. They weren't sure what right. the what the policies were, what the protocols were, what we were going to do. It was changing from one day yes. to the next. It wasn't clear. They weren't getting information. They weren't communicating. Whatever it was, bottom line is they're on the perimeter blaming principals. Right. Principals are frustrated because they're getting no direction from central yeah. office. And so they're not communicating. So what do principals do? They go to the perimeter and they blame central office. Right. And then central <laughs> office, it's not us. It's the, it's the state, makers, it's the state yeah. government, the policymakers, all yeah. these other people. Everybody's on the perimeter. Right. And therefore, I believe that's what creates a lot of our issues is because right. everybody wants to go to the perimeter. 
And so if you think about it from a cultural standpoint, yeah, we're struggling if we're all on the perimeter blaming somebody else because then nobody's getting any better. Nobody's taking responsibility. Right. And no one wants to step up and say, what are we going to do about this? What are we right. going to do about this? What would you say, like, when I'm I'm thinking of, particularly in our uh, district, there's been a, a lot of reshuffling around with the leaders themselves. And what would you say, Jimmy, for, for a new leader coming in, kind of within this funny context, this this it I, I don't want to say post pandemic because we're still sort of in this weird merge lane I always say uh however you know when you do want to come into a new a new school create that sense of welcoming culture belonging but also have the accountability in place that does set the tone for people putting their hands up and collaborating and contributing. You know, I think there's been a lot of complacency in, in the past couple of years in terms of volunteer teachers. You know, you hear all the time, oh, there aren't enough track teachers or there aren't enough coaches for basketball. And so we're not running these programs right now because teachers just don't want to or they're burnt out or whatever. But I think about a new leader coming in. What are some specific strategies or I mean, I guess it's value driven, but some things that they could keep in mind as they commence a brand new um, contract with a school, like what are some, some yep. things that they should keep in mind? Cause I think that's important too, is like fresh start. How do you come in to set that tone? Yeah. yeah I'd go right back to that recalibrate framework. So very quickly, we would say, first of all, they have to have some sort of sense of vision for what they, what they want to accomplish here. They definitely have to understand how are we going to behave in this organization, including themselves? How are they going to behave in this organization? But these, this framework and the components of the framework, the four premises, are not in isolation. They, they intersect. They overlap. It, there's no necessarily specific order other than, to me, that vision part should be the first part. But then after that, they can kind of go back and forth. So I would say this to a new leader is the second part is remember that after you've established your vision and your values and how we're gonna behave and we all have done that, you have to realize in order to do that, you have to have some sort of process, as I said before, where people have a voice. Mm -hmm. So the fourth component recalibrate is all about, hey, listen, first of all, give yourself some grace, all right? Average exists in every school, just accept that, okay? Right. <laughs> it's okay, we're not perfect schools. However, what we want to make sure is we want to understand if that's true, Jimmy, that average exists in every school, and it does, and it's in every organization, okay, sure. then we have to understand then number two is then what are we doing about that? And number three, in my opinion, we should never allow average to become the standard. Mm. Because if you allow that to happen, that is called apathy. Okay, mm -hmm. that's we're back to status quo. We're just going to accept it is the way it is, Jimmy, just the way it is. So we have to be very clear and define and help people understand that, that average does exist in every school. So therefore, we better have the right processes, the right protocols, the right frameworks, because we need to create a system. Because if we have no system, then you're going to have all sorts of inequities. Some kids right. are getting it. Some kids are not. Some yes. staff is getting it. Some staff is not. And again, that's going to create all sorts of undercurrents in our organization mm -hmm. when it comes to culture. So I would say to a principal, we've got to make sure that we have to identify where is the average in the organization and what process did you use to learn and identify? And now what are we going to do about it? So then I jump over to premise number three, right? And that is, I'm going to see the culture through the eyes of others. Mm -hmm. That means I'm going to be intentional and sit down with people and ask, 
Morgan, hi, I'm Jimmy, I'm your new principal. Hey, so as I shared with the staff, I was going to sit down with all of you. I've given you four questions. Hopefully you've had some time to review those and process those because I want to be very transparent mm -hmm. about what questions I was going to ask so you would have time to process and think through that. I'm hoping that you'll give me honest feedback, Morgan. If not, that's okay. I don't want you to worry, right? If you don't feel comfortable, it's okay to say pass, mm -hmm. right? However, I need your help because I want to make sure that you every day walk into an environment where you believe you can be more and do more than you ever thought possible, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I will quickly find out who are the wounded people in the organization. In other words, they don't talk. They don't trust, right. okay? They don't trust. Right. I'm going to find out who wants to tell me everything, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to okay. find out who's kind of like tells me a little bit, but it's somewhat superficial, right? Because they're on the right. surface because they don't, they're not quite there. They want to believe, they want to trust, but they're right. not quite sure. So they're, they're going to wait for Jimmy who's going to be on the job for two weeks. I'm going to feel it out and see if this guy's really for real, right? Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's the benefit. You get to see all that now. You get to experience right. all that. You get to learn all that and you're investing time in people. But here's the danger. Mm. If you look at almost most superintendents when they get hired, Morgan, even principals, but more superintendents, they will go into a new district. And what's the first thing they do? They start sitting down and talking to people, trying to mm. learn about the district, what's been happening, what should they know, all that kind of thing. But here's the problem. It's very rare that they ever go back and do it again. Yeah. Right. And it's even more rare. And it's even more rare that they keep doing it. So here's the problem with that. Oh, Jimmy, you came in, you told me you wanted to learn. You told me you were this relationship guy and you sat down and you played the game and you went, check, done. Yeah. It's never happened again. Right. So who really is sincere? Who's really right. genuine? Or are you just doing what you think you're supposed to do? Right. And yet you never do that. And that yeah. is an undercurrent that is created yes. all the time. That's yeah. why I say people don't see their own undercurrents. They just don't. Yeah. And so uh, the reason we coach is to help them see that yes. you, again, are creating the undercurrents, but then they get frustrated, right? Yeah. And so again, so that's that part. And then the last part is, hey, listen, you can't do this job by yourself, principle. So I'm going to encourage you that one of the most important things that any leader can do, in my opinion, is to grow and develop more leaders mm, because yes, you can't. Yes achieve this vision on your own, my friend, mm -hmm. you can't, you will try, but you won't be able to sustain it. Yes. And so we could be very intentional, very strategic. How are we building our capacity? How are we going to grow, growing, develop more leaders? Because quite frankly, in culturized, we remind you that everybody in the organization is a leader. Yes. So let's start giving them a voice. Let's bring them in. Let's be intentional. And so that framework is a is an initial foundation to get principles off to a good start. Mm -hmm. Because personally, for me, Morgan, at the age of 26, they literally handed me a set of keys. And I had to go be a principal and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Wow. 26. That's nuts. That is. I mean, so. And I, you know what? I, what strikes me as really interesting is I think quite often what what creates a sense of distrust is also that idea that um, that 
there's a dis, like just a total disconnection from the leadership and the boots on the ground, you know, like the teachers. And so oftentimes, you know, you won't even see people from head office ever come in ever, 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 you know, and once in a while, maybe for a, for a photo op or something. And I just think how, yes, it takes time. Yes. It takes a certain amount of resources to be able to come in, but to have those conversations. And even just like you said, to be able to make the time to do that in an ongoing way, it can even, it doesn't have to be super frequent, but I think it can be something that um, we do because it's important and there, it builds so yeah. much trust doing that. And I think yeah, when it has to be intentional. Yeah. It has to be intentional because yeah. what you say is I value that. That's why yes. we go back. Remember, if, if that is one of our values, right? If I yes. say to a principal and he says to me, Hey, relationships matter. I'm going to say, well, no, they don't. <laughs> you say it, but you don't right. live it. Right. Because you haven't been in a classroom in six weeks. That's right. And you want to give me a bazillion excuses to go to the perimeter why you can't be in there. No one cares. Yeah, it's true. All it tells me you don't you don't live your values and right. you need to see that. Right. So that's all part of it. And so as these new principles, it's funny you say, because here's where I thought you were going with the question. And I'll <laughs> say this. The first thing I think of is when I see all these educators, leaders, whoever, whoever's leaving or all this turnover that you just mentioned, here's the right. first thing I say to myself, why are they leaving? Right. So we have to figure that out first. Number mm. two, if we don't understand why people are leaving, then that tells me that probably someone's on the perimeter and they don't recognize that part of the reason they're leaving is because of them. Right. So we got to mm -hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. There's also this notion is when people in an organization behave a certain way. Okay, so here's give you an example. Teacher behaves a certain way. Principal gets frustrated about how the teacher's behaving. I'll be really honest. Mm -hmm. Principal goes to the perimeter and blames teacher about the way they're behaving. Right. Okay. Right. That's the first issue. Mm -hmm. Number two, they don't know why the teacher is behaving that way. Mm -hmm. In other words, they make assumptions. They label. Right. Okay. Three, what they don't see is this. That is not a teacher issue. That's a leadership issue. Right. Because people people will behave however we allow them to behave. Right. And mirror. I think so a lot if, of people mirror. That's right. So what if people are behaving a certain way, don't mm -hmm. go to the perimeter. Mm -hmm. Invest time to find out why they behave that way. Okay. Right. Don't yeah. allow them to continue to behave that way. But if you don't have a relationship with these people, you're mm -hmm. just gonna you're gonna slap them with a label. Right. And so people need to understand this is this is why this work is so complex, because there's so many moving parts to it. But you got to be able to see it first. Yeah, they got to be able sure. to see all that. Right. That they are the undercurrent. Mm -hmm. We are all the undercurrent. Right. Morgan, you're the undercurrent in your home and your relationships. You're the undercurrent at work in your in your professional. We're all the I'm the same way. I'm the undercurrent. Mm -hmm. But if I don't create a relationship where you and I trust one another, I need your help. Because I don't want to be the undercurrent, Morgan. Yeah. And right. I need you to be like, Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, I know you're frustrated, but listen, mm -hmm. remember we talked about it. We can't go down that road. Mm -hmm. I know you're frustrated with it, but if we just slap a label on it, then we're the problem. Like, yes, Morgan, you're right. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Yes, gosh darn it. <laughs> and that's, you're helping me right. live my values. Right. Right? Because I'm frustrated with this. Teacher. Yeah. So th that's why all these components are so complex, but... We got to make sure. And the last thing I'll say, because another thing you mentioned, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but when teachers complain to me about principals, because mm -hmm. believe it or not, that actually happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
But it happens just as much as principals complain about central office, just so you know. That's, right. We're all doing it, right? We're here <laughs> on the perimeter. Here's what I say. Remember, this is to anybody listening or who listens to this and they're upset with their current administration. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Number one, what are you doing to help them be great? Mm. Like from top, Number from two. bottom up. Yeah. That's right. What are you mm -hmm. doing, staff, to help your principal be great? Because you know what I know, Morgan? Your fourth principal in six years is not the answer. Right. I promise you that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you're right. We'll keep that. going to the perimeter and blaming the blaming the principal, but who's helping the principal be great? Now, mm -hmm. obviously, the principal has, yeah, I, you know, I'd say to the principal, who are you allowing to help you be great? Right? Right. We're not going to blame teachers for that. Either. We're not blaming anybody. This isn't a blame game. This is for everybody to reflect and say, we are all responsible for the culture and climate of these organizations. Mm -hmm. If I blame the principal, why do you think these cultures continue to struggle? Because they keep right. blaming. They're on the perimeter. But if you come together as a staff and say, you know what, we want you to be great. We're not going to let you fail. We have your back. We can help you. Let us support you. Are you doing okay today? We're worried about you. Mm -hmm. Now, when you can create that, you'll be fine. But when you stay on the perimeter, we'll keep blaming the principal. And by the way, principals, if you listen to this, your superintendent's never going to be great unless everybody wants the superintendent to be great. Hmm. That's really and interesting. By the way, I, haven't, I haven't heard that a lot, and, you know. And by the way, principals, your teachers are never going to be great unless everybody wants them to be great. So if you keep slapping labels on them, if you keep telling how they should have retired five years ago, that is a leadership issue, not a teacher issue. You know why? Because why have we allowed this teacher to behave that way for five years, principal? That's on you. Right. Hmm. Okay. Well, I just think that there's been a lot of insight into, I think, vulnerability, accountability, and then also that ability to have a better vision for the future, right? So I think that's that's what's at um, the core of this conversation. And I'm just so grateful that you were able to jump on with me. Is there anything that you would like to say before we end our conversation for today, um, either to teachers, to administrators, um, to anyone kind of just navigating this merge lane right now? Well, the first thing I'd say is after I just said what I just said is I also want people to understand that I'm not saying I'm right. <laughs> right. You see, my opinions are based on my experiences. Mm -hmm. But here's the difference. I'm not a disruptor, and I don't see myself as an agitator. I have opinions, and I have very strong opinions on things based on my experiences and based on my work and my lifetime and my commitment to this wonderful profession that I love called education, mm -hmm. which I still believe is the best profession there is. Mm -hmm. What I would say to the audience is, is we need to be careful. Because if we can't even carry the banner for our own profession, mm -hmm. when we're going to the perimeter and blaming how we're not paid enough and how we don't aren't respected enough and how this isn't enough and whatever that is, you can keep carrying that message to people. But you understand we are not helping our profession. Right. We are hurting our profession. Right. Because there's a younger generation out there that's listening and watching and saying, I do not want to be an educator because I've heard how terrible it is. Right. Now, if you think we're in dire position now, where are we going to end up if we keep doing this? Mm -hmm. Now, I also believe that, yes, we are underpaid. And yes, we aren't sometimes valued like we should. And I do believe that there is no profession more important than ours. I believe I align with them in that message. It's mm -hmm. how they deliver the message that I have a problem with. I Number agree. two, I also have a problem with this. What are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I'm not important. saying, what are, 
Yeah. And I'm not saying what are you personally doing about it? But what I'm saying is, how do we bring a group of people together and then do something about it? If mm -hmm. I have a staff of 60, I know this for sure. Nobody on the outside is going to come in and help us do this job. We 60, if we're passionate, if we are dedicated, if we are committed, if we love what we do, which I believe all those things are true, and we all have freaking degrees in this mm -hmm. profession, and you're telling us that we can't do it, well, then who the hell is going to do it? <laughs> exactly. It's right in this room. What, what they need, though, is they need to have hope and faith that they can actually do this. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't believe this can get better, I promise you this, it ain't going to get any better. True fact. So yeah. I am not going to say anything unless I teach you how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I have opinions, but I'll explain it. And then it'll be for you to decide whether or not, am I right or wrong? Right. I don't know. And to put, My it, experience put is, it to action. Right. I'll get better results. Yeah. Because I can't fix everything, Morgan, but I know I can get better results when I change me. Mm -hmm. Get off the perimeter, everybody, and start understanding what you are doing to contribute to whatever perils live in your life, whether they're in your personal or professional. I agree. Own it. Yes. Great. That's a great message. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and your flexibility and all that you're offering. I think, uh, I think this is a really timely book and just such an amazing compliment for all of the work that you've done and the service that you've given to educators. So thank you for making the time. You're very welcome. Thank you, Morgan. Appreciate okay. it. Well, you have a great day and we'll connect soon. I want to thank you for the wonderful reviews that you've left for this podcast on iTunes. Your reviews make a big difference in helping other educators find this show. If you think that I'm doing good work here and you'd like others to get inspired and join our 21 day kindness challenge and movement, I'd love it if you would take a minute, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Kind Sight 101, the podcast. For links to resources mentioned in this episode, visit smallactbigimpact.com and click on our podcast and choose this episode number. Now, I'd love to give my audience a heads up about my new book, which will provide ideas, actionable strategies, and inquiry-based approaches to creating kinder classroom through serving the community. Subscribe to my blog, for more information. Now I would love to hear from you. What's the biggest insight that you gain from this conversation? Head over to our website, smallactbigimpact.com, leave a comment on our podcast page, or tag and connect with us on social media with the hashtag smallactbigimpact to share your inspiring story of kindness. Can't wait to hear from you.